Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to this. My name is George Spaulding. I am the Executive Vice President of Pink Elephant, and this is Practitioner Radio, Episode 67. Amazing. With me today, as usual, is my compadre, my partner in crime, Troy de Molan, who is another Vice President at Pink Elephant. What are you in charge of today, Troy? Research and development, George. Research and development for new products, new relationships, new whatevers? New products, new ideas, new themes, new trends in our industry. Where is the IT vertical going anyway, and why should we care? Whoa, that's heavy. (laughs) But instead of talking to Troy, (laughs) we have a special guest with us, one of the pioneers in the lean IT movement, uh, Mike Orzen. Mike, welcome. Thank you, George. And Mike, you uh, you wrote a book all the way back, I guess it was 2005. What was it called? Lean IT something? I think it was uh, more like 2010. Oh, okay. But it was called Lean <laughs> IT. It seems, it seems like it's been at least that long, but it's only been about five years. Well, I've been giving you credit for a decade worth of effort, Mike. Sorry. Well, I appreciate that, George. No, Double it. Double down, that's good. I'll change my tune now. (laughs) But he is the father with his co-author, Steve Bell. I I call him the father of Lean IT. The father of Lean IT. Do you want to be that, Mike? I'm not not really sure, but uh, I think Troy had had a couple glasses of wine when he proclaimed me the father of Lean IT, so... (laughs) It's better than being the grandfather of Lean IT. <laughs> That's <laughs> obviously right. stuck. So, okay, Mike, well, we're happy to have you with us today. And obviously, our conversation today is going to be about Lean IT, as it should be. Yes. Um, Lean IT is uh, making huge strides in, in, the, in the world of IT. And um, here at Pink, um, we just completed our conference last week, the big Pink Elephant Conference, our 20th annual conference, where both Troy and I were there, and also Mike Orson was there talking about his new book, The Lean IT Field Guide, which is not just what is Lean IT, but how to actually get it done. And I have to give a shout out to Troy in terms of his involvement in the Lean IT movement because Troy's been espousing, or as we say at Pink, evangelizing Lean IT since like 2010 and a half, ever since he got involved with Mike or Mike's book, his first book. And Troy is really our contact with, with the Lean IT Association and the new Lean IT certifications that, that Pink Elephant is now offering, the Lean IT practice. Uh, what is it? It's the foundation course. And then the Lean IT Kaizen course, which right now, Troy, you're the only one at Pink who can teach that, right? For the moment, but I'm changing that quickly, believe me. That's good. And coming up in the Lean IT world in terms of Pink is Lean IT leadership, right? I know you're involved in that intimately. I am. In fact, actually, Mike is as well. He is uh, He's closely associated with the association and really, really appreciate the, the work you're doing with us, Lee, on, on Lean application in this vertical. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, When we wrote the first book, we kind of imagined that someday 
there may be a certification for lean IT. But the fact that uh, the international community has really rallied and said, let's create a standard, something we can all uh, agree on and kind of hold up as a benchmark is pretty exciting. And I was uh, uh, thrilled to be involved in, in the review of uh, the curriculum and uh, just to get to know some of the people that are, that are contributing to the new body of knowledge. It's, it's fantastic. He writes a mean exam question, George. Oh, I, I, well, I used to like him. Anyway, um, the, uh, but the, what, I, what I just want to tell you on a personal note is that as I got involved in Lean, I, I really haven't been this energized and excited since the beginnings of ITIL. Uh, when when that was to me, you know, the new and exciting, wow, look at that, you know, mm-hmm. and that was around 2000. And and really, Lean IT has got me re-energized and, and with a, a new sense of optimism about the fact that, that an IT shop can actually be working on all cylinders and really be happening. And ITIL was never enough by itself, but ITIL combined with Lean is unbelievable it's massive so i'm kind of excited about that because i never never thought that was going to happen to me again but here it is there you go that's a key point you just made there when you combine both together you get an awesome combination like basically they co-enable each other and without one the other one's missing something very much so well and what i was saying when and when i i did a couple of sessions during the the conference and one of the things i found myself saying was look at pink we used to get the question we still get it but we we got the question you know, almost after every client would adopt ITIL and they would, you know, uh, listen to us and they would put in X amount of processes and they would try and get them mature and and uh, then they would say, okay, what's next? And I really believe that, honestly, we didn't have a very good answer. So we used to say, more ITIL, you need more ITIL, you need to make it more, <laughs> more, more mature, that's what you need, more mature and more ITIL, yeah, get with the program. And of course, they would do that and kind of go, well, that's... But now... Now the answer is really easy. Oh, you want to know what to do after ITIL? Lean. And that, I, I believe it completely. It is in my soul. I'm not faking it or doing it because it's the right, you know, somebody told me to say it. I believe it. So enough about me, enough about Troy. Mike, you wrote this new book called The Field Guide, which obviously to me says that the original book, which was kind of a what is it and how does it work, yes. is what the original book was. And now are you going to tell me how to actually implement it? Is that what this field guide's about? Yeah, exactly. After the first book, George, a lot of people wrote emails or would approach me at conferences and say, love the first book. Uh, Several people said, it's my Bible. They called it their Bible. Uh, They said, but, and I used to always say, but what? And they used to say, they would ask, how do we do it? It's fabulous. (laughs) You've, You've defined it, but how do we actually do it? And I resisted putting anything together that smacked of a prescriptive solution because uh, I've been working in, in, with Lean and learning Lean, a student of Lean for over 20 years. And I was always taught that Lean is based on experience, trial and discovery, reflection, and actually wallowing around in the frustration of learning to discover Lean thinking. And after several years of, of people saying, now come on, uh, there's got to be another way. I realized, now wait a second, 
There is a pattern. I started to reflect on the transformations that I've been involved with, the ones that worked and the ones that were challenged. And I realized there was a pattern and there was a common theme around what we had done. And one of my uh, clients, Nationwide Insurance, had a very dynamic associate VP who was a key driver in their lead transformation and had become a really good friend. His name is Tom Pater. And I approached him and I said, would you be interested in writing a book with me? It's not going to be about Nationwide, but we will take some of the lessons that we've learned at Nationwide along with the lessons that we've learned at some other organizations, sprinkle in two or three case studies, and try to give enough of a roadmap so people know how do I get started, what are the key pitfalls along the way. And that was the genesis of the book. One of the companies is uh, CIMT. Maybe you're familiar with them. They're a software development company. They're global, but I believe they're based out of uh, Brazil. And they wrote a beautiful case study uh, specifically around the area of, of strategic deployment and how they had leveraged that in their transformation. Another company is AEP, a large uh, energy uh, provider in the uh, US uh, Midwest region. And they also talked about uh, Lean IT and what it, had, what it was doing for their organization. Uh, and then we had uh, a couple of anonymous ones where the uh, names of the, the uh, guilty were, were changed to, you know, kind of keep things anonymous, so to speak. I've actually read the book and uh, I, it followed my kind of sense of logic as well. You talk about day zero. Uh, and you know we, and lean's all about the kaizen mindset and establishing a sense of accountability and lean leadership. These are all critical. In fact, you make that point very early on in the book. Uh, these are kind of the the house of lean main pillars, if you will. The, the reality is, though, you did acknowledge that you know you can get some traction going, even when you're focusing on the basic tools of lean, though you can't stay there long. Can you kind of comment on that day zero premise? Sure. You know what we found is in so many organizations, and of course, everything I'm talking about, I'm guilty as charged. I've made every possible misstep that a human being could make. Uh, and that's that's basically how I've discovered and learned what works and what doesn't work. Are you saying, therefore, that since you've made all the mistakes and hopefully you've learned from them, that I could avoid those mistakes by reading your book? You could certainly avoid those mistakes. That depends on you, George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that depends on you and how you apply the learning. But also, I would guarantee that there are more mistakes to be made. But another way to say that in the spirit of lean is there is always more learning ahead of us. So every organization is uh, unique and it's never a one-size-fits-all because if you think about it, the problem-solving, which is at the heart of lean thinking, is situational. It's always going to be based on the current situation with your current end users, your customers, your services, your products. And anyone that says, I've got the secret sauce and the same exact solution uh, is like a cookie cutter that can work in every organization, I think they need to uh, have their head examined. I just, I just don't think that's realistic. That said, if we zoom out a little bit and say, what are some of the core principles that can apply as well as some of the methods and tools that I need in place, that works because I've seen it work time and time again. 
And to Troy's point, we use the concept of day zero. So day zero is how do I get started? Because we saw so many organizations that will read the books, go to the workshops, get people certified, but they can't pull the trigger. They're kind of in preparation mode uh, endlessly. So this gives us a a much uh, more defined, almost like a runway to say, what are the things I need in place to kick off my transformation? And then perhaps most importantly, how do we move from a project-based mindset, which is in the DNA of every IT organization? We're very, very episodic. And lean originally, we learned lean in America also based on Kaizen events, rapid improvement events. We need to move from the mindset of we do this and then we stop doing it, we do it and we stop doing it, to a daily habitual, this is who we are, this is how we roll kind of an approach, which is for many people, it, it's, it's a, para, a paradigm shift. It really is very different than anything they've considered when they've thought about continuous service improvement or lean. Yeah, this is the Kaizen concept. Right, that fits with the premise that, that we were talking about in the continual service improvement volume that Gary Case and I wrote for ITIL, was basically the fact that improvement in general was viewed as a project, not as a, a mindset or embedded in the fabric of the organization. Exactly. Yeah. And although it's funny because we've been talking about a Kaizen mindset and terms like daily Kaizen have been in in the literature for 20 years easily. We talked about uh, daily Kaizen in, in Lean IT six years ago. But what I found is we've been going about it the wrong way. We started by we always tend to train people on an event-based approach. So we get a cross-functional team in the in a room, we create a value stream map, we identify pain points, we organize for an improvement project, we gather baseline data, and all this is well and good. But then we say, now let's do it on a regular basis, as in daily. And the bridge to go from a project-based, I'm assigned to improvement, to a daily, improvement is part of my job. That bridge is not clear for most organizations, and it's never crossed because they just don't know how to move from an event-based approach to, to a daily habit. I think in my personal view, and of course the Lean IT Association shares this concept, is because that's a leadership challenge. Yes. You know, in Western society, we program leaders to rise to the ranks to become the smart answer machines. Mm -hmm. And the answer machines walk around in their wisdom dispensing answers to the people below and informing them of their direction they must take. And all of this is counter to this personal sense of autonomy that's required to say, hey, I don't wait around for the answer machine to come down from on high and declare what shall be true, I'm actually informed and enabled to basically stop the line myself. And I actually probably had the better idea than that person does. But that's a leadership flexibility that basically says, I'm all about empowering an organizational culture of improvement versus uh, you know, protecting my rights as the, the smart person in the room. Very much so. And all lean, I believe really at the end of the day, you can if you if you think about the essence of lean, it's about leadership with humility. And this doesn't mean you need to be soft spoken, but it means that you you check your ego at the door. Uh, the The role of a leader is to 
develop people, number one, and number two, of course, to attain results. I do have a question about the the management side of it. You've got a chapter in in your book called Management Still Matters, but when when we talk about lean leadership, we talk about the concept that that um, it's management as servant, if you will, that management becomes a, a servant of the, of the folks on the line, on the front line. And I'm not sure that today's management, as you were describing it, are comfortable with that role. That, that, that's a major shift, really. It is. And, and boy, I think you hit a, uh, the, the real issue on the table is the fact that for years we've been saying, welcome to your lean transformation. Managers, you will now be coaches. And the managers ha- are thinking, coach what? I'm not a lean expert. And my self-identity and my self-worth are based on 15 to 20 years of being the problem solver around here. If you pull that away from me and ask me to be a coach of something I don't feel I'm an expert in, uh, you're basically uh, threatening me at an at a existential level. It's pretty serious stuff. So what we try to do in that chapter on, on why management still matters is to be very clear what we mean. So terms like you're going to coach, yes, that's true, but what do we mean by coaching? What is an effective coach? What are the skills that people need to develop? Why? And we wanted to spell the concept that managers are no longer problem solvers. On the contrary, managers are now solving very, very challenging problems that their people can't deal with. So in other words, if you're a manager, there'll be, there will still be escalations up to you that you're going to have to deal with. But they're not the problems that should be solved on the front line. Those are the problems that we need the people closest to the work solving. And that's kind of a, a basic premise of lean. We want to solve problems closest to their point of occurrence as possible. But for those threatened managers, we need to be very clear that their role and their ability to leverage the organization actually expands. And what I've discovered is once managers understand that their influence and their ability, not just to drive the numbers, not just to get great results, but also to impact in a positive way the lives of everyone on their team in a very, very meaningful way, it can be quite inspirational to people. So this is key, that they're enabling, they're removing barriers. You know, when we talk about management responsibility in the performance dialogue aspect of Lean, there's a, there's a dialogue that goes on with the, you know, the employee. There's a kind of a process that's followed. But the first one is kind of understand progress against whatever goals have been set. But then there's the second step, which is to offer support. You know, can I... Can I support you? Can I enable uh, the situation? Can I remove this political scenario or barrier? Uh, and the third is to offer feedback, and that's the, the mentoring and the coaching component. That dialogue is a critical element to, I think, achieving this management responsibility. It really is. And that dialogue, uh, as you describe it, Troy, requires practice. Very, very few, I would say less than 10% of the managers that I've worked with are just natural at this. And it's not because they, they are uh, stupid or slow 
or lack the innate ability, it's because we haven't developed these skill sets in our, in our managers. Most managers are promoted on technical skills. So over the years, they have mastered a certain area within IT, they've demonstrated technical competency, and they've been promoted based on that. Now we're asking these people not to give up on the technical side of their business, but as they become further and further removed from the front line and as technology changes, they're no longer uh, at the cutting edge of technology, nor do they need to be. Their focus shifts. They need to still be comfortable with the technology and speak the language, but their focus shifts into a much more of an enabling role. I'm going to be transparent here. I'm going to go out on, on a limb, George. Please don't, you know, chide me for this. But the reality is, let I've, me get my saw out <laughs> now. <laughs> I have realized. Well, first of all, yet um, at Pink Elephant, I spent an entire career having an opinion, right? Being an answer machine. That's basically what I'm paid to do. And that might work well in a consulting facility type thing, but the reality is as a leader, uh, there's another set of skills necessary. And Jim Collins goes into this with you know his good to great premise, which leaders lead with questions, not answers. Yes. I have literally had to shut my mouth more than once in the last couple of years as I'm kind of becoming aware of this premise uh, that I am not the answer machine, at least when it comes to leadership. And shutting your mouth, Troy, I know, is a difficult task for you, with all due respect. <laughs> I know, there it goes. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm sorry, I couldn't pass that up. When you when you pitch them in slow with an arc, i got to hit it. <laughs> so uh, let me ask Mike another question. We I mentioned earlier that I thought that ITIL coupled with Lean was a, was a great pairing, and actually that by themselves they were weaker than those two together. What kind of wine goes with that? By the way, very nice, Troy. Very nice. It's good. anyway, moving on. So, what I what I've done is, and it, I and I gave a couple of talks on, and I keep hearing this phrase coming from people in in the popular, you know, the inbox uh, world, which is, well, ITIL's dead. We don't need ITIL anymore. We don't really need to focus on processes. And what we need is this is DevOps and all the premise and, and underpinnings of DevOps. Um, I'd like you to comment on that and how where Lean actually fits into that little mess. See, I, I don't agree with that at all. I feel that really I've always described Lean IT as an umbrella concept. And under that umbrella, we have the core concepts of lean thinking, which of course originally are from uh, the manufacturing sector, but they've gone far beyond that into service, into healthcare, even into government and education. So we've got the core concepts of lean. Next, we take the framework of ITIL. The actual ITIL model, I think, is a very elegant and a very complete system. I've seen very few organizations actually adopt the entire model. But if you look at it, it is a, 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 a very complete closed-loop system. So I think ITIL brings to us a vision of operational excellence within information and technology. So to turn your back on that and say there's nothing we need from ITIL, ITIL is dead, I think that's, uh, that's wrong thinking. That's just wrong-headed thinking. That, that throws out too much of what ITIL can bring. When we use ITIL as a, a uh, 
kind of a, on blind faith and we say, let's get everybody in our organization certified. We're not exactly sure why, but let's just do it because that's the ideal way. That's a mistake too. So I'm not saying you just drink the Kool-Aid because ITIL's good. You need to have a clear purpose in what you're doing. And I think there's some key objectives, uh, strategies, and relationships within the ITIL framework that uh, add a lot to the conversation. Next under the Lean IT umbrella, it, you've got Agile. So Agile software development basically has taken about oh, maybe a dozen or less core concepts from lean thinking and said, how do we apply this to uh, software development? And they've done a great job. They particularly have given us very clear examples on iterative small lot size development and using a visual workplace to, to drive engagement on a team. So I think that's solid. Next comes DevOps, which again, if you think about it, all of these are kind of natural evolutions in the thinking of how we apply lean to uh, the world of IT. And DevOps comes along and says, there's a key piece of the value stream that we need to examine. Really, the, the seeds of DevOps started with the two pieces of the value stream between the build and the run organization. How do we get the people that build the software to work seamlessly with the people that run the software? And since then, DevOps has actually expanded to say, hey, wait a second, why are we stopping with build and run? Don't we need to expand the value stream even further? Don't we need to include infrastructure and don't we need to include our end customers? And basically, in a funny way, we've gone full circle. We started with lean thinking. We're ending up at lean thinking because lean thinking begins with value, the concept of value to the customer, and then seeing that value within the context of a macro value stream, which is exactly what, where, we've been, where, where we've been led through the DevOps movement. So I think we really have come a long way. To me, this is what you just said is key. And this is a session that I'm actually going to be doing in the future, which is how to apply DevOps thinking to more than software. Because in essence, what you've got at the base and background, all of it is lean. The value, uh, voice of customer, improved lead time aspects, work in progress optimization. Add small batch in, you get it the agile space. Now throw in theory of constraints with Eli Goldrad and flow optimization. Uh, yes, machine time is part of lean and optimizing speed through machine time, parallel processing. And then that's the automation of continuous integration and deployment. And then finally, the service management component. Yes, we've got a strategy, design, transition, operations, value chain. So DevOps is simply all of the above in a kind of a mashup. Yes. Well, and what I find is that lean is lean IT especially, and certainly uh, the principles from your first book, and I, I haven't read the current one. I'm sorry. Troy was bragging because he has. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted you to know it's almost sold out on Amazon. Okay. But the principles in the first book, especially the change in attitude and thinking and acting, it's the one which actually states that that's absolutely necessary to move forward, that we cannot go forward, we cannot do this unless the way we think and the way we act changes. The way we lead, the way we work, the, everything about it, the way we employ visual management, everything is different. And lean is the one ringing the bell saying that has to happen. 
the uh, DevOps concept can take advantage of that once that attitude has changed. But I don't see DevOps saying, what I see DevOps saying is, we have to have better communication, we have to have more open communication, we have to do this. But it's not really the attitude that, that's changing, it's lean that's made the attitude change. And DevOps then gets to take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And if it's the DevOps platform and the DevOps movement that can uh, facilitate that that thinking, that shift in mindset, sure. then I'm all for it. Popular term. Yeah, exactly. And so it's interesting. We go through uh, different phases in terms of what is popular. Uh, just, what, a couple of years ago, probably two, three years ago, Remember the Lean Startup movement. So the Lean Startup uh, also got a lot of attention. It's still quite alive and, and has a strong following. And a lot of people were saying, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard of. Well, if you look at the Lean Startup concepts and their principles, <laughs> again, we're talking about very, very similar concepts applied to uh, product and service development often in the IT space, but not exclusively. So I see all of these, including uh, Lean Startup, Continuous Deployment, Kanban, all of these I just put into what I call the Lean IT Cosmos. And there'll be more uh, stars that are discovered as we go. That's the exciting thing about it. And I think it's just our, uh, the human race saying, hey, wait, I see something different in the picture. I see a different way to, to apply this. And the, the, uh, to me, that's very exciting. That's, those are, that's the imagination of, of, uh, of, of our race. It's, it's uh, very inspiring. Very appropriate, because in your book, you have that true North Star premise right there in the beginning chapter. Yeah, that's right. And I, I believe we, I did write about the, the Lean IT Cosmos in the first book, a lot of people uh, in IT will say, well, I don't have any lean background. Do I need to go uh, read three or four books on lean? So uh, in chapter two of the first book, I wrote a chapter called A Lean Primer. And what I tried to do is say, what is lean? And try to use some IT examples. And that chapter two is available for as a free download. I, I got the, the copyright permission uh, for that so I could share it because I just wanted everybody to have easy access to that. And Troy's going to put that link in the course notes or in the, the notes Beautiful. here. Beautiful. Excellent. Aren't you, Troy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Very good. Gentlemen, we're a little over time, and this is because this has been fun. I'm going to give you each a chance to wrap up. So 30 seconds each, gentlemen. I'll go, and then you can close us up, Mike. So for me, the whole premise of value Yes, we talk about value being delivered, but the speed of value delivering, the focus on flow, because development only builds potential for value. It's not actually realized until the customer has it in their hands, they're able to use it, consume it. So the whole aspect of taking a voice of customer and improving over time the speed at which we flow value to the customer is critical. And for me, that is where Lean's key strength is continuous flow. I like that very much, Troy. And I would say that speed of flow, that velocity is a, is a good word for it, really depends on the mindset, the skill set, and the tool set of everyone in our organization. 
particularly our IT leaders and our managers. And what we tried to do in the Lean IT Field Guide is provide a very specific roadmap, not overly specific, but detailed enough so people could say, okay, I'm ready, I wanna do this, but can you please tell me how to get started? What do I need to do? What are some of the key things I need to look out for? That was the purpose of the book. Great. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Troy. And uh, those of you listening out there, um, please be sure and keep checking with the Pink Elephant website because we have right this second two Lean IT courses and looks to be about two, three months from now, we'll have a third Lean IT leadership course as well, all sponsored by the Lean IT Association and delivered by Pink Elephant. Thank you, Troy, as always, and thanks to my special guest today, Mike Orson, and his new book, The Lean IT Field Guide. Thank you. Thank you.